Welcome to Reinventing Professionals, a podcast hosted by industry analyst Ari Kaplan, which shares ideas, guidance, and perspectives from market leaders shaping the next generation of legal and professional services. This is Ari Kaplan, and I'm speaking today with Tim Pullen, the founder and CEO of Thought River, an intelligent contract pre-screening platform. Hi, Tim. How are you? I'm really well. Pleasure to be on uh, your podcast today, and uh, thanks for inviting me. It's a privilege. So tell us about your background and the genesis of Thought River. Like so many people in legal tech, I am by trade, I'm a lawyer. And I spent around about 20 years as a lawyer in various different roles, but mainly in private practice as a partner in sort of London city firms. And I left law mid-30s and went into the world of technology business, a company called Experian, and spent a while there, both in the UK and in, in Asia. And really at the end of that period, at around about 2010 and 2011, I was coming back into the legal services industry and very, very focused on what I'd observed over kind of 20 year career. There was a huge amount of dysfunction in transaction management, in transactions, in contracts. And at the very heart of that was not the negotiation, all of which is good, but the really heart of it was to do with the medium of contract. I observed that the way lawyers write things down in lots of different ways actually causes massive amounts of friction the world over. And I became very focused on trying to solve that. And that basically gave birth to Thought River because one day I was sitting with a client in a large multinational corporation, she general counsel, and we were talking about how her life could be better. And one of the ways it turns out it could have been better is if before contracts came into her very busy department, there was some kind of heads up, like a first pass review of those contracts to give us some way of automating prioritization. So at that point, I decided my life was going to be about building a solution to that problem. For the people who are listening, who are inspired by a lawyer who was a partner with a law firm who then decided that there was a problem and that he and his team was going to develop a solution, can you take us through a little bit of your practical experience on deciding to leave, getting a developer, mapping this out. The story of Thought River is such a good one that I want people to get a better sense of some of the structure of that. The first thing I'll say is it certainly was scary at lots of points. And if you're looking to take a step off of the normal career routes and the safety and security they bring, then you have to be up for a bit of stepping into the unknown. Uh, but that's part of the excitement and adventure of doing it. Actually, it's not as scary as you might think, because the way I did it was a kind of glide path. So I took small steps along the path and they all added up to a big step, but I didn't do it all at once. And I think for me, you get to the point at which I started doing this. I was pretty experienced. I'd done a lot of things. I wasn't a 20 year old <laughs> out there to disrupt the entire world. I sort of been around the houses, as we in the UK say. And so I felt like I had the tools needed to do this thing. And the other aspect of me that you should know about was that I was a child of the 80s. And back in the 80s, we were all tech geeks. So there always was a bit of a geek about me. And indeed, when I started the journey, and really, I started it by becoming part time. So I became part time and basically wasn't paid for the bit where I wasn't working 
And I just devoted that time to developing the early conceptual prototypes of Thought River. But I had the advantage of being able to code badly, as it turns out, but well enough to actually produce early models of this thing, which could take me to the next stage. I always had enough technology knowledge to take me to the next stage. I started working with contract developers, but I didn't really hire my first full-time developer until 2015. He's the most amazing person. He was a millennial, still is actually when I hired him, but he's the most amazing guy, but he's still working with me today. But I think you can choose to start a startup when you're young, or you can do one when you're a bit more middle-aged like me. I think the advantage of doing it at the stage I did it is just that you've learned a lot more stuff along the way. And uh, there's still things going to catch you out. There's still things you need to learn, but there's kind of less gotchas. As a fellow child of the 80s, learning to code my name to print across the screen on our Radio Shack TRS-80, <laughs> and also being an aspiring bad coder in Python. I love that story. So tell us how Thought River's technology works. A lot of people talk about AI these days, and I don't like talking about AI. I mean, we do have a base of NLP and machine learning that we use, but fundamentally, when we started, it wasn't really about that at all. It was how do you automatically summarize at a level that's meaningful what is in a contract? How can you synthesize the series of questions that a paralegal is sort of asking themselves as they're doing that first pass review before you get to look at the contract? And so the first stage of the thing was really less about machine learning and all that stuff, although we certainly explored the answer to the possible. It was more about actually designing a description framework that would be universal and could be used by anyone. Because the problem we have in the contract world is legalese, my point of view, our point of view, in that you've got this very technical language of contract, which lawyers just find thousands of different ways using legalese to describe the same thing. And for me, that was the fundamental problem. So when we started out, we first designed this description framework which is really a piece of legal authorship and architecture more than technology. But we call that today Lexible. And really the concept of Lexible is that you can cross jurisdiction, even ultimately across language, but certainly across clients and across client groups, you can have a universal way of describing the same common things in contract. And so that's what I spent probably the first 18 months doing, which is working out what that looks like and how it would work and how you would make it universal so that the same thing wouldn't need to be repeated by different people. If you think about Lexable as a description framework, it's describing stuff, but it's also in effect a question layer. So if you think about it, it's the questions. And then we have a layer on top of that, which is the part of our stack, which actually answers those questions. And we call that Fathom. And Fathom is a textual interpretation engine in that it looks at contracts in context and looks to answer proper legal questions. You know, do we need to indemnify someone under this contract? Are we receiving a license? Are we entitled to receive some payment? The sort of questions that you as a human being would ask of a contract, they're being asked by Lexable and they then being answered by Fathom. And then just to complete the stack, you know what's in the contract because Lexable and Fathom together have done a Q&A session. But then you don't really know what's relevant. You've got thousands of points of meaning that we've found in these contracts, but you don't want to be presented with that. You want to be presented with the stuff that's relevant. So the way we do that is through a very comprehensive risk evaluation framework, which takes all those answers and 
highlights to you the really relevant ones, which you can call risk. It's highlighting the ones that are most risky, but essentially the ones that require your attention. For whom was your tool suite designed? In-house corporate. Not just the general counsel's office, although that is mainly where we are today, because anything to do with contract tends to get dealt with by general counsel's office. But it's actually just designed for corporates. So it's recognizing that really corporates, they are defined by contract in almost every aspect of the corporate, yet they struggle to really understand what those contracts say and to be able to therefore manage those contracts. And very specifically in the context of a general counsel's office, they just have so much work coming in every day that they need to be able to compress the amount of time they spend on each of those contracts. But it is in-house corporates that we serve But in terms of our client base, our client base is actually around about 50-50, you know, in-house corporates and then provider-side clients. And the reason why we have very strong relationships with provider-side clients is because almost all of them are looking to solve exactly the same problems that we are solving when we have a direct end corporate client. But often they're bundling in additional services. So we're working with a number of international law firms and providers, all of whom are focused on providing the type of service to in-house corporates that really law firms have never provided before. How does ThoughtRiver's intelligent platform differ from others on the market? So I think it's fundamentally to do with this flexible layer. It is the very foundations of the concept that we had all those years ago, and it remains a sort of fundamental part of what we deliver. So because of flexible, our clients don't need to redesign majority of what they get day one you know they've got something which is capable of reviewing general commercial agreements the contracts which are really the business of doing business those sort of common contracts and so they get that day one in a very well structured information schema but then we enable those clients to then extend flexible for their own purposes or sometimes for other people's purposes as well of their provider side clients And so that information schema approach, we often see people talking about this a bit in the market, but we don't see anyone that is essentially being founded on delivering an information model to the world. And that's what we were basically founded on. What are the differences in how users apply your technology across jurisdictions, for example, between the UK and the US? So... If you think about what we're doing in the main with contracts, we're answering the questions you'd have about contracts, which are the same wherever in the world you are. <laughs> I mean, we are telling you what essentially the contract says at a level that really wouldn't matter whether you're in Shanghai, Dubai, or somewhere in the States that rhymes with those two city names. They are very similar questions. And certainly the core of our flexible framework tends to deal with those common questions. But obviously, in some cases, if you're in a certain jurisdiction, you'll want to ask additional questions because there may be certain implications that you need to deal with in those jurisdictions, which are not common. And that's where the flexible architecture comes in, because you as a client can extend it yourself, create your own private extension of flexible to deal with those questions that the common flexible layer doesn't deal with. So what you get is essentially the sort of questions you'd ask in any jurisdiction and then the ability to be able to extend that if there are particular legal issues in your jurisdiction or indeed particular questions that you want to ask in context of your business. How does your system address challenges of different languages? 
we do not deal with different languages. So the depth at which we are reading contracts and think about the sort of questions that we are answering, it's not the sort of linguistic analysis which is easily transferable into other languages. We can do it. It's just an enormous investment because we are reading each sentence at a depth which is not simply looking for the kind of simpler nearest neighbors type of search that generally available NLP will do. We're doing a much deeper search than that. For example, we're reading sentences the right way around. We understand who you are in the sentence and who the counterparty is. And at that level, as I say, it's not just a quick task to suddenly start producing analysis and be able to analyze French or Italian or uh, Spanish contracts. But we will be extending that capability into other languages. But at the moment, we are English language. And actually, you look at the vast majority of contracts in the world, they are still done in the English language. What's been the greatest value for your clients in leveraging Thought River's tools? The fundamental point is around making people more efficient, speeding them up, compressing that unit of time. You think about what we're doing in our core product, which is pre-screening. What we're doing there in the core use case is we're speeding up the amount of time a lawyer needs to spend on turning around a draft from the point at which they receive an email to the point at which they send it back to their business stakeholder or indeed external party. And so that compression of time of between a third and two thirds of the time that lawyer would normally spend is a huge saving for the company, both in terms of reduced costs and just speed of the business. Line one on the business case on the ROI is to do with compression time. But it's also to do with insight. So because of the lexical framework, because of consistency of that framework, we're giving clients an information model for their businesses where no information model has previously existed. And that enables them to begin to correlate and uh, what they're doing actually in their contracts with the structured information they have elsewhere, you know, to do with their finances or sales and marketing. And that insight and that ability to correlate gives our clients a huge amount of power in order to be able to understand where they could do things better, where potentially they are missing out on a lot of opportunity. And where do you see that usage headed all across the legal industry and throughout the business community? The pressure for transaction management to become more automated, to become faster, to become more structured is irresistible. And it's been driven by business. It's not driven by law firms. It's driven by the needs of business. And so I see where we are going is in terms of the common things that lawyers agree in contracts, we are going to head away from a world where lawyers can sort of freely redraft the same thing in different language and get away with it. <laughs> we did some analysis of around about 1.4 million contracts about half a year ago, just to find out how many different ways lawyers had found of writing the law of this contract is S. Okay. And when we did the analysis, we found that lawyers had found in those 1.4 million contracts, 335,000 ways of writing that actually quite simple thing. It's one of the simplest things you can draft in a contract. And of course, if you work that out, if you use 1.3 million lawyers in the States, for example, what you're creating there, just on that one simple issue, is 2 million wasted hours every year in the States just reading choice of law clause. And that is just one 
very small, very simple aspect of any contract. Think of all the other, even common terms of contract, which are a bit more complex. And what you've got there is just this big sludge or treacle that's being poured into the transaction machine and kind of just slowing it all down. And we regard that as a problem of legalese. And we think that the way the world is going is that the opportunity for lawyers to tinker around with those common things will actually be eradicated just through standardization and through automation. And where lawyers will be spending their time is on the areas of transactions where you're dealing with things which are genuinely different, which are custom, that require that kind of level of thought for which lawyers were trained. And I think to say whether it's going to be we're going to get there in three, five, ten years, I think it's still pretty tough to call that. But I think the pressure is growing and actually the momentum is growing as well. So I tend towards the lower end of those forecasts. This is Ari Kaplan speaking with Tim Pullen, the founder and CEO of Thought River, an intelligent contract pre-screening platform. Tim, thanks so much. Thanks, Ari. Thank you for listening to the Reinventing Professionals podcast. Visit ReinventingProfessionals.com or AriKaplanAdvisors.com to learn more.